0: On today's episode, we'll be talking about the overuse of plugins on your WordPress website and how this can have a detrimental effect on your site.
1: So today's main topic is going to be about um, WordPress plugins. Um, Anybody with a WordPress website I can absolutely guarantee is using some plugins of some kind. Even when you install WordPress uh, as a brand new system and you've never put anything into it, it actually comes with two plugins that are incredibly random, one of which is called Hello Dolly, which lets you just print Hello Dolly on your screen for no reason at all. Um, plugins in WordPress um, add functionality to the core system without you having to pay a developer to make it fundamentally their purpose. Um, because WordPress is a community-supported um, sort of a CMS system, um, there's also lots of third-party providers that make plugins for the system, uh, and they sell those plugins to do certain jobs. So to give you an idea, um, WordPress has got um, a number of plugins that handle e-commerce, including the main one, which is called WooCommerce. On top of that WooCommerce plugin, there are different uh, additional plugins, which then handle things like the payment gateway. So for example, if uh, somebody's WordPress website needs to connect up to Stripe as a payment provider or SagePay or WorldPay, that functionality is achieved by adding in additional plugins to the website. So you can quickly see why uh, one website where you add an e-commerce plugin then you're adding in payment gateway plugins, or you're already at three, for example, um, then there's probably a, an SEO plugin, and then there'll be a firewall plugin, and the, very quickly you can get sort of to five to ten on a very very basic website without requiring really any other functionality. Um, one of the risks of this is that for every plugin that's added to a WordPress website, um, it, the website's performance and speed takes a small hit. Um, every time a page loads, it's loading code in from everything that's been plugged into that website. So um, if as we all should be nowadays um, we are focusing on making websites fast and responsive and um, working well for the user if we're, la- we're sort of dragging the website down with over heavy numbers of plugins that are um, loading too much code in every time the page loads it's all going to add up to small to small yeah, small droplet effects to actually make that website not perform as well as it should do now there's trade-offs with this um, plugins are there for a reason and mainly that um, they save money on paying developers. So quite often we get clients coming to us saying, I'd like this function in the website. If we were actually going to charge a developer rate to build that function into the website's theme, which we can do, we would normally find it's 10, 20, 30 times more than it would cost to buy a plugin that's been sol- developed and sold by one develop- one person but sold multiple times so they get their cost back in that way. So there is that trade-off. It You know, it, it, it is quicker to build the functionality in um, in terms of making the site uh, run faster. However, um, the benefits of that are not outweighed necessarily by the cost of getting the developer or the agency to build that. So uh, as an agency, we do... Um, Often suggest plugins that achieve certain business goals for clients uh, just because the cost of us developing it would be too much. But we have to be really conscious about uh, the number of plugins that we're using on client websites. Um, The other thing that we see actually is where clients install plugins themselves. Uh, WordPress actually makes it really easy to install plugins. Um, It's got a whole um, plugin library built right into it. So we'll often see clients who install plugins after we've built a website and we'll come back to it a little while later or when we're doing sort of updates on it every month and we'll go, okay, what are these plugins doing? Um, and, we, and it turns out that actually you know, the, the client themselves have added a lot of plugins after the site has gone live as well. Um, and then we sometimes have to go back and keep a, an eye on what they're doing. Um, one of the other big issues of plugins is actually um, that the developer keeps them up to date as well. So because WordPress updates itself so frequently, um, about every 40 days, um, the plugins also need to keep up with that. Because if WordPress has updated something, then then the plugin developer hasn't updated. It's quite likely that these are broken sometimes. So we commonly come across, uh, at least a couple of times a week, plugins that have been either abandoned by the developer or not updated in line with WordPress itself. So when we are picking plugins for sites to do certain functionality, we tend to only use plugins from um, developers that have a track record of keeping up to date with the WordPress um, updates themselves. This means that we can prevent issues before they happen with our clients. Um, We know we're using plugins from trusted sources, and uh, we're just minimizing technical problems that are going to happen further down the line.
0: That's really interesting. So say someone has a plugin on their website and then the developer has just not offered updating it or and they've kind of scrapped that project. How would we go about making sure that the client's website is still okay and they still get the function that they need from that plugin that they originally had installed, but to the to the rate that they need it so that their website now works effectively?
1: Um, The simple answer to that is sometimes you can't solve that problem. Um, If the uh, plugin developer has disappeared or gone out of business or just doesn't want to maintain it anymore, and actually sometimes that's the only plugin that does that job for that client, then sometimes it's a real challenge. Um, It can sometimes prevent the client from being able to update their version of WordPress if that plugin is so business critical that they can't get away from it. Um, But on the other hand... Yeah, sometimes there are plugins that multiple plugins that do the same job, uh, and then we can maybe suggest an alternative one that would um, do the same business goal, but from a be from a different developer. Um, some plugins are paid plugins, and some are free. You typically see these problems with free plugins. Um, the paid ones is more incentive for the developers to actually um, keep them up to date. Um, normally, they come with a small annual fee of some, some, something like twenty to fifty dollars a year. Um, And that covers uh, them for support on the plugin and also um, the sort of updates that the developer would do throughout the year. Um, We do sometimes see um, clients where some agency in the past had bought the plugin, it never got renewed. um, And so we have to sort of get involved to buy a new copy of it. Um, But yeah, it's really important to keep a good list of the plugins that are in use on the website, um, how much the annual costs are, make sure that there's uh, accurate billing details held for that. Um, just to make sure that there's no loss in service and especially if they're business critical ones that sort of do key integration work with websites it's very very easy to um, to let this this slip Um, but yeah so we we see common plugin problems all the time really Um, but I think yeah nothing really outweighs the issue of um, how many plugins are in use to be honest.
0: So what's the most amount of plugins that you've ever seen on one website?
1: Um, simply 147. Um, so we actually took over a, a client's website uh, about 18 months ago where they came to us with um, a lot of problems around site speed um, and they literally could not solve the issues around the, so the site running slowly. Um, we thought, okay, standard WordPress website, we'll have a look into it. We're pretty good at knowing how to solve this. Um, It turns out there was 147 individual active plugins on that website, which in reality means there's 147 items of third-party code being loaded in every single time that website runs. Um, And we we managed to get it down by about 30, where we found plugins that did multiple jobs. Um, But that was still an enormous amount of add-on software to one website, Um, and actually when you've got so that many items of third-party software they have all been written by potentially 100 different developers, it is very, very difficult to get everything consistently running because it's just not likely to, to ever be a problem that can be fixed. Um, and this was a great example of where a client had been adding functionality and adding and adding and adding just because they kept coming across things that were quite uh, nice to have um, rather than really thinking about building this stuff into the actual theme uh, itself, which in the long run would have been better, but obviously to save developer costs, um, adding plugins was the essentially the free way of doing it. But then it created this site speed problem. So you, you sometimes can't have it both ways um, and having too many plugins is, is always a, a bad idea.
0: So what are some of the best plugins then that you've come across, especially to help clients with um, some of their business goals?
1: So uh, there's quite a few that we commonly use. Um, we often use the Yoast SEO plugin, uh, which we've talked about in uh, another uh, podcast episode. Um, we always use a software firewall, and we always use a plugin to handle contact forms and the storing of submissions. Um, we've actually built our own GDPR plugin, which handles the, um, all the legal requirements around um, GDPR compliance in terms of cookie policies and things like that. Um, and the one that we actually use most extensively is one called Advanced Custom Fields, which lets us make much more comprehensive admins for clients because it means that everything that, we, uh, that you see on a website, for every bit of content, so if it's text, if it's an image, uh, if it's a drop-down list, anything like that, it means we can use this field, this plugin, to actually bring those fields into the admin pages of the website, um, and this then gives the client much more ability to edit it themselves. So that's probably the most common plugin that we use, actually, um, and I think nearly every single website that we built uh, is built with that as a framework. Um, but yeah, we we try and keep, keep ours to between five and ten, really. Um, and it depends if it's an e-commerce website, a brochure website, or, or um, any other kind of website, really. Uh, we have some websites where there's a lot of custom integration with third-party systems, um, for example, sort of Salesforce or um, HubSpot or other C- or other sort of third-party CRM-based platforms um, where the number of plugins can increase a little bit. But we, we really do um, focus on trying to keep it to a minimum because we, um, we are always trying to get a high score on that Google page speed.
0: Thank you for your time, James. So the key takeaways and for clients from this podcast episode are um, don't have too many plugins on your website, otherwise it will make the, your page speed load really, really slow. Be really mindful of um, weighing the cost benefit of having it built into your theme or just having a plugin to make it quicker and save on agency costs and weigh this up in terms of long-term strategy and if it's something that we will be using Quite frequently, and also just bear in mind how trustworthy the sources are that you're getting your plugin, plugins from. So, yeah, if you have any questions about plugins or um, how you can optimize your website effectively, get in touch with us at hello at so marketing.com.